The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. We've got Dustin Sachs with us today. He is an expert in cybersecurity supply chain risk management, a senior manager of GRC at World Fuel Services, a doctoral candidate, and also a mentor at Springboard and a future CISO. Dustin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Greg. And I should also say, too, I appreciate that you came and volunteered to fill a slot that, because of a scheduling mishap, was not able to fill. So thank you very much for your flexibility. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Happy to be here. How did you get into cyber? Why did you get into cyber? Talk a little bit about your path. I know you do a lot outside of your career too, as far as mentoring and different activities, which I think is great. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I started out, I got my undergraduate degree in political science, did what every political science major who realizes their degree is worthless, uh, <laughs> went to law school for a year. Got through a year of law school, realized um, I had spent, you know, significant amount of money I didn't already have, I didn't have, and wasn't really enjoying it. So um, this was, you know, early 2000s, and my father, who was a forensic accountant at the time in Miami, had interviewed somebody who heard about, who, who was saying, had come from one of the big accounting firms and said that they were hiring for this new thing called computer forensics. Um, mm. And, you know, it was one of those things where he said, you know, I think you'd probably be, probably be really good at that. Uh, looked into it, realized at the time there were only four universities that had a graduate level program in it. Uh, one of them happened to be the University of Central Florida. Uh, applied, attended the program, enjoyed it a lot, took to it really well. Um, and really, that was the kind of the, the journey into into at least computer forensics, you know, got hired by one of the big accounting firms, did a lot of e-discovery and, you know, computer forensics, theft of trade secrets style work, um, got hired for a position um, out here in Houston, so moved from Miami to Houston um, and w worked in the professional consulting arena around digital forensics uh computer forensics and then got into to some of the information security incident response hands-on keyboard work then about six or seven years ago now um got you know took a shift a little bit and started focusing a lot more on the grc side of things um and then um moved about five years ago, moved to uh, the electric utility here in Houston, spent some time in their cybersecurity operations center, and then ultimately in the GRC. And since then have really been just working up from there in, you know, progressively higher leadership positions within GRC. So that was kind of my journey. It was, it was partly accidental, partly just a product of the times. Um, you know, it was, it's been an interesting progression to see, everything from, you know, the early days of computer forensics up to, you know, the cybersecurity world we live in now. 
Well, I, I had to chuckle you talking about it being an accidental journey. First of all, when you talked about getting a poli-sci degree and then realizing it was worthless and going to law school, that's exactly what my brother did. <laughs> <laughs> but now, but now to his credit, he's been a successful lawyer in New York City for uh, three plus decades right now. So, I mean, he's, he's, uh, yep. he, he continued that path. But for me, though, um, mine was accidental as well. And I don't know how many times or if I've ever mentioned on the podcast before, but my undergrad was actually in mechanical engineering. So, but it just so happens that at the time, um, at when I got my degree, the cold war had ended, there was a big flood of both aerospace and mechanical engineers. And it was a tough job market back in the early nineties for that. And I'd already been working part-time as a network technician at the university of Buffalo. And that was my accidental fall into it. So, I don't think yeah. anybody really planned, at least uh, not not 15 plus years ago, actually planned to get into cyber. Yeah, but usually yeah. it was usually it was definitely the person who like, hey, you know, computers and you've been working here for 10 years. You can be you know, I I, I went to school to graduate school with a lot of of uh, government agents and a lot of them and a lot of law enforcement. And the story over and over was I was just the one who knew how to use the computer. So they figured I'd do the investigations. So yeah, now, now people are really getting to choose this as a career, which is an exciting thing to see. I think, I think that's, that's wonderful. I mean, even back, I was already in it, but um, because my, my discipline in it at the time was networking. That's typically a lot of times yeah. where you see security start with firewall. First firewall we installed was like the uh, round 2000 or something like that. I think it yeah. was. Uh, real firewall, not like router with ACLs. But so um, I noticed too that you do a lot of volunteering. It looks like you're involved in several organizations, um, including um, being a mentor for Springboard. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, you know, I got I got involved with Springboard through a kind of a, a connection, actually, uh, somebody I know who already works with them, but. Um, really, it was it was an opportunity for me, first of all, you know, to be able to find a way to give back and help, you know, educate people on that are that are looking to transition into cybersecurity or who are new to cybersecurity that are coming in maybe an untraditional route. They're not coming in through formalized education or they're coming from another career field. And, you know, for me, it was just it was just kind of at the point I'm at in my career now, I feel like it's imperative that I start to give back to uh, the people who are going to come next and the people who are going to who are going through journeys that a lot of us have gone through. Um, it just also happened that Springboard is very well connected up with the University of South Florida, which is where I got my undergraduate and my MBA. So it was an opportunity to kind of have a, a, a another tie to the school that I, you know, that I went to that I uh, am very passionate about being involved in uh, as well. And then, you know, it was just, it was a natural, it's a natural progression as I'm looking at how, you know, as I'm looking at the question of how do you contribute to the body of knowledge within cybersecurity, which is kind of the big question that gets asked of any doctoral student is, how are you going to contribute to the body of knowledge? Um, it kind of made sense that not only can I, should I be writing some, you know, and conducting some original research, but it also helps to take the knowledge I've learned and transfer it to other people and help other people learn and be passionate about this industry that, you know, all of us are 
very passionate about. So, yeah, I think that's great. I think that um, so much as we advance further in our careers and in our age, I'm I'm a couple of years older than you, several, <laughs> um, but I think it's just great to have that give back because I think we have a responsibility actually to help foster the continued growth of um, cyber over the, the next generation. And um, doing all that uh, definitely is a, um, is a, is a part of that. Now you mentioned um, before about uh, thesis, I believe you were saying, and I know that uh, in your profile, you talked about uh, you're a doctoral student. Um, what, what exactly are you doing with that? What, what, what are you going for? Yeah. So my doctorate, I'm, I'm, pursuing a doctorate in computer science uh, mm -hmm. focused on cybersecurity and information assurance. And uh, as I explained to people, um, it's very different than a, than a PhD. Um, PhDs, plenty of them, great programs, great people, met a lot of them, have interacted with a lot of them, have learned from a lot of them. Uh, the difference between a PhD and a doctorate uh, of computer science or what they refer to as an earned doctorate is that a PhD is very academic, very research focused, whereas do uh, the, the doctorates like doctorate of computer science are very much focused on the concept of scholar practitioner. They're looking at how can you take what you're learning and apply it in the real world. And you're looking at the real world application of problems. So when, when, when we're working on coming up with what is our dissertation theme, uh, topic, it's not a topic that is, you know, kind of pie in the sky or future looking or, um, you know, something that may be theoretical. It's more of, I've found evidence of a problem or a gap or something that needs to be investigated, and I'm going to investigate it. And by doing that, I'm going to pr provide some sort of practical application other than just apply a, 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 a you know just submitting a document that's going to get read by academics and probably not ever you know translated into the practical world so it's a little bit of a different spin again phd programs fantastic a lot of them are really are you know are, are good i know a lot of people who've gotten phd specifically but um there is a subtle nuance um to them and um i think it sometimes gets lost but um at the same time i know a number of people who have gotten phds that are using their phds in a practical sense so they're, right. they're kind of bridging that gap well, kudos to that as well, too. I, I, I thought about maybe pursuing a PhD. I, I ended up going back for my master's um, and going back to school and working full time was difficult. And yeah. right right now at 55, Absolutely, I yeah. don't think I'm going to go back and do anything else. I, I, I'm, I think I'm kind of done with the formal training. But um, so you've got a very varied experience. Um, what from your perspective what would be a significant threat right now since we part of this podcast is for advice for small and mid-sized businesses and what would be a, a big threat that you would think right now would be more significant now or advice if you if you had that to give to small and mid-sized businesses yeah i mean i think i think there's still a mentality and there has been for a number of years by small and medium-sized businesses that they're not a big enough target for an attack. And I think that that is a, that's a bit of an, you know, an, an ostrich with their head in the sand kind of mentality. 
that I think we've seen be, be, be disproved, you know, time and time again is, you know, it doesn't matter the size of your business. Every, every business is susceptible to cyber attack and to um, the various types of attacks that are out there. I mean, ransomware doesn't care if you're a fortune 100 company or if you're a, you know, small mom and pop they're there, you know, they're the ransomware, you know, phishing kind of attacks are all focused on, you know, this concept of spray and pray, put, you know, put out as many of these attacks as I can. And hopefully I'll convert, you know, if I convert 1% of the people that I attack to actual victims, then I've been successful. Um, I think, you know, the other challenge is that small and medium-sized businesses have limited, I, th I think one of the biggest challenges and one of the biggest um, kind of threats, I would say, or just, you know, um, issues is that small, medium-sized businesses often don't have the same level of tools available to them or uh, are not capable, you know, don't have the, the budget to support necessarily the kinds of tools that the Fortune 100 fortune 500 style companies have and there aren't a lot of vendors out there there are more and more there are but there are there are not a lot of vendors that are really playing to that small to medium-sized business when it comes to the traditional security tools you're not going to get and you know there, there are there are very few or there are you know a growing number but there are very few you know, RSA Archer style GRC tools available for small to medium sized businesses that don't require a lot of overhead or, you know, there's, there are some that are coming out more and more. There are some that are definitely targeting that more and more, but even, I mean, if you look at what the best in breed, what the, you know, the majority of the big companies out there are using, they're tools that are not going to be accessible to a small to medium sized business. So I think, I think the challenge is, is not having a head in the sand mentality and understanding that, yes, you are as much of a victim as anybody else. And that almost to some extent, the impact of a cyber incident to a small and medium sized business can be hot, can be a infinitely more catastrophic than it, the same incident at a large company. I've, you know, I've been, I would say I've, you know, I've experienced in my career several times where, um, you know, a small accounting firm that gets hit by a, a ransomware or gets hit by, uh, you know, a, a breach that involves, you know, losing uh, IRS information and causes duplicate, you know, duplicate tax returns to get filed and what have you, um, where that's, you know, almost bankrupt. The the response to the incident has been so expensive that it's almost bankrupted the 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 business so um i think the biggest the the big theme is don't don't assume that just because you're a smaller medium-sized business you're not a target to the attackers that are out there yeah and and a lot of times uh small and mid-sized businesses they're running on such a low margin and and they they see cybersecurity as a as a cost center um one of the things that you had mentioned while you were talking about your career path was you pivoted from forensics to grc and that's uh, for those who are not familiar with that uh, acronym it's governance risk and compliance and really i i am of the opinion 
um, I would suspect maybe you are as well, that um, you have to have solid GRC practices in place no matter what size business you are, small, large, um, and everything in between. Um, but you did mention also the conundrum that not everybody can afford an RSA Archer, for example. Um, do you have, and, and I'm not really looking for recommendations so much as I'm looking for ideas. Do you have any ideas of like a GRC platform that an SMB might be able to leverage nowadays? Yeah, I mean, um, one of the ones, uh, you know, I think I think the point that you're making is, is, is very important, which is, yes, absolutely, does not matter the size of your organization, you have to have strong GRC practices, you have to have strong risk management practices. We, we have become in the, uh, we were already headed this way, but we've become this way much more in the, you know, post-March 13th, 2020 world that we live in, mm -hmm. um, where we are reliant on third parties a lot more and third-party risk management practices have to be better across the board because that's where a lot of the breaches are, a lot of the issues are happening. Um, small, medium-sized businesses outsource a lot of their responsibilities, back office, whatever, to, in order to, to scale. And as a result, you're opening yourself up to a lot more risk than you would if you controlled everything in your, in your own environment. Um, in terms of, you know, what are, what are good tools that are out there? What are good things out there without, you know, and, and, and I'm not favoring any one product over another. Um, you know, one of the ones that I, that I always look to for, uh, as a really good one, because one, it's, it's largely open source or it's, uh, you know, it's become, they've got a, an enterprise model version as well, but, um, a really good one that's out there is called Eramba, E-R-A-M-B-A. -A um, and they, they have, they've got a really good, you know, tool if you're looking to be able to download something and install it on your own environment, if you want to keep it in-house. Um, they've recently shifted to where they've got a SaaS model now, a software as a service model. And mm -hmm. they've got a, I mean, their, their price point certainly is, is, you know, under well under the um, the price point of any other tool. The big challenge is a lot of it can be very much it, it is very dependent on um, you actually running the tool and you actually manipulating the tool. If you're looking at something that's more out of the box, ready to go, um, you know there are tools out there. The the companies that come to mind for me are things like Reciprocity. They've got a really good tool um, that I've seen a couple times. There's a couple others out there as well um, uh, that that I just I can't but I can't think of offhand. But you, I mean, I think there are there are a number of really good tools out there that are not at the price point of an RSA Archer that certainly. Um, small to medium-sized businesses can do, and I think, again, to, to your point, you know, I, I always tell tell people this is, you know, you have to make sure though that you're not buying a tool expecting it to do GRC for you. Right. Um, I always I, I, the the catch the phrase I always use is, and that I've used for a long time is GRC has got to be more than a tool. GRC is more than a tool. It is a process. If your processes, if your policies the the procedures you're following aren't strong having a tool is not going to make it better you're just going to automate 
your failures into the tool and you're going to audit you're not going to or you're not going to effectively use the tool the way you need to be so well grcs are 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 so much about relationships uh, between your risks and your controls and 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 i'm glad you mentioned aramba i i'm i've been a big fan of aramba for several years um actually uh use aramba um and they have um a a great set I haven't looked at it recently, but uh, they have a great set of videos on their site um, that actually goes through explaining the relationships. And I mean, you can apply it to Aramba, you can apply it to uh, other, other, other folks, but again, you have to understand those relationships and, and, and yes, I believe Aramba still does offer the community version, which is the they do one. still offer the community version. It's a little more limited than the enterprise version, but yeah, you don't have the reports, said, for example, that being said as well, um, for, for a small to medium-sized business, it's probably going to be almost sufficient for what you need. The other thing that's really nice is regardless of if you're an Aramba customer or not, or if you're using the community version or not, they've got a really good set of um, control mappings to the various control groups, as well as some policies and documents that can be leveraged um, to help build your policy handbook and things like that. The other one that I would be remiss if I didn't bring up is if you're looking for, you know, a good template for making your writing your policies, if you don't have good policies written out, uh, SANS has uh, SANS has some phenomenal uh, policy templates that are out there um, available as well um, to help to help with that. And of course, you you have to make sure though that if you take the policy template, that two things don't just put your company's name in there. You know, Correct. Yeah, absolutely. You, you if because because that will be a flag. I, I've done that before, where someone I'll be reviewing a company and they'll send me like you know a couple of their policies, and I'll do like a a copy and search on sort of like a a. Um, not an AI, an actual, right? <laughs> you know, to try to see if like, okay, did you download this? Which isn't necessarily bad if you use templates, but um, um, make sure that you're doing what you say you're doing. Because I've gone to folks where I've looked at their stuff and then I'll ask them something in their policy and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. or I don't think we do it. But it, it says it right here in the policy that you do it. So, um, well, well, one, one last thing just quickly about Aramba as well, too, that um, you you uh, and this is true for a lot of like open source items out there really need to be a little bit of a Linux uh, person. Yeah. yeah, they've they've made it a little easier. They certainly have virtual images versions now that mm-hmm. you can download that are easier to, to to run out of the box. But, yeah, you do. You will want to have at least some Linux experience for sure. Well, I, I, I jumped into Aramba back about uh, four years ago was when I first was exposed yeah. to it, and maybe three or four years ago. And it actually was great in that it got me involved back in Linux again, whereas I hadn't really touched a Linux box for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. So a lot of things going on in cybersecurity. It's a very stressful field. And one of the things that I think is very important to those who are in the field is that they take a step away. They don't let it consume their life. What is one thing that you do to step away, to, to, to not be consumed by cybersecurity? Um, I, I, I spend certainly spend time with my wife and my 10 year old son. Um, it could be, you know, watching whatever the latest Netflix 
craze is, uh, whatever my wife decides she wants to turn on, that's the show that they're t talking about somewhere in the world. Um, mm -hmm. So um, a lot of involuntary, involuntary binge watching of shows. <laughs> um, you know, uh, where I, I, I can only tell you that I'm watching the show or that, that the show is being watched. I can't tell you any of the specifics of the show. I just know that it's being watched. Um, you know, uh, like to, you know, attend sporting events, you know, get out as much as I can. Um, you know, a lot of my time right now is just when I'm not working, I'm doing one of the other activities that I'm working on, which, you know, for me, I actually do kind of relax and are, you know, interesting to me. I like, I like taking time away from the grind of work to actually learn new things, um, you know, um, mess around with, you know, everything from messing around with recipes in the kitchen to, you know, um, figuring out how to, how to, you know, do some, technical thing um with you know the computer so yeah I'm, I'm reminded of a scene from the original star trek series i think kirk walks into the rec room and scotty the engineer is at a terminal and he's looking at some sort of technical diagram kirk says hey i thought i told you to take some time off and relax and scotty says i am relaxing so yeah i, joke, I, I definitely I joke with that people that, like, my, that my 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 hobby at this point is being a professional googler because that's all i seem to do is google <laughs> some topic related to to what i'm researching uh for my dissertation so and that's a good segue into future plans so um obviously you're continuing working on your dissertation yep yeah i'll be spending the next year and a half pretty much working pretty extensively on that reading a lot um you know once i finish that there's certainly i'm already starting to think about what is the future research stuff going to look like and what is out there um there's a lot of really really interesting stuff on the um, artificial intelligence side of things and um some of the kind of bleeding edge technology that that'll come into into focus more as i as I continue my dissertation and get towards the end and what have you, um, certainly, you know, looking at opportunities to um, provide more, more um, formalized teaching and, and training and, and what have you to people um, at a university level, perhaps. Um, and then certainly, you know, I think I'm, I definitely see in my future um landing a role and, and moving into a role as a as a, a chief information security officer as a CISO and really you know helping to drive the strategy more of an organization really help to um impact um and and also you know learn the skills and and, and enhance the skills of executive presence and being able to um you know communicate cybersecurity at an executive level um more than I, more than i do already and i think a lot of those skills um it's just kind of the next step it, it seems to me in the career in my career you know the next the next big challenge um as i as i go through but uh you know i, I think i think a lot of things a lot of things can will change over time but uh for me it's always just about cons constantly pushing myself to be 
better than I was the day before and do something, you know, more challenging than the day before. So, uh, you know, as long as I'm doing that, I think, uh, you know, no matter what I, what I endeavor to do, um, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be successful, you know, um, Certainly, certainly, certainly on the uh, on the work side, you know, on the personal side, it's been a lifelong journey to try to be the next big Jeopardy contestant. So (laughs) been been a a lifelong, I, you know, my my family has has for many, many, many years said, hey, you should get on Jeopardy. And yeah, uh, I try and I try and, you know. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I'll give you credit for that. I, 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 I can, I probably have a lot of like useful and useless trivia in my head, but I just never built the way to access it. It comes out at the wrong times, but yeah. So it sounds good. One of my favorite sayings is uh, keep moving forward. It sounds like that that's yeah. what you're doing. So absolutely. Forward. Dustin, I really appreciate you joining us today. And again, for filling in for that schedule of snafu that we had. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. And everybody stay secure.